Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Hello, everybody, and welcome to XYZ, the podcast about CNC, automation, technology, and more. Today's the first episode that I'm doing uh, with my own recording setup uh, and with a new co-host. So please excuse the audio quality while we get this thing worked out. My name's Aaron Goff. Uh, I'm the owner of Goff Custom, and I'm joined today by Nick Frank of the Frank Brothers Guitar Company. How are you, mate? I'm good. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome, mate. And you and I go back a long time, eh? Like, I was thinking about that the other day. I've got a picture on my fridge, a Polaroid picture, uh, of of you and Tim and I being dicks in the, uh, the that shared basement workshop that we used to work in. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. those are good times, though. Yeah, seriously. A lot of really cheap wine was consumed. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> good thing that, that um, wine store was so close. Right. <laughs> so why don't you tell us a little bit like for you know the people that aren't familiar with you guys and what you do why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do sure yeah well um frank brothers guitar company is a uh, we we manufacture our own uh, brand our own design of electric guitars uh founded by myself and tim uh and our older brother john and a good uh friend warren who is in the lumber industry um, and in the shop, it's Tim and I, we, uh, design and manufacture the instruments and we have a small growing team, uh, here and we're in a 2,800 square foot space in the East end of Toronto and we use CNC, uh, we use traditional woodworking equipment, uh, and we do all our own finishing and we even do some, uh, parts manufacturing for our instruments. Uh, yeah, so we've been at it since 2014 and well beyond before that, when you and I and Tim worked at that shared shop box, what was the number? Box 47. Box 47. Yeah. 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 It's crazy to, it's crazy that that was so long ago. I know. Like, yeah, man. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, And you know, if, if people listening to this have not seen Tim and Nick's guitars, like if you haven't seen Frank Brothers guitar company guitars, you have to go and check them out. I've plugged you guys on the show before. um, I know. I've I've listened. I've heard you you chirp me before. Yeah. (laughs) Can't let you get away free. You know, Um, a little birdie told me that you uh, took delivery of some pretty exciting shit this week. We did. Well, it was uh, a couple I think two weeks, two weeks ago now. Oh, pedantic. it already, it already feels like forever ago. Um, is it up and running yet? No. So we took delivery of a Haas VF2 SSYT. Yeah. Um, we've been interested in, uh, a getting a VMC since we got into CNC. We didn't mm-hmm. end up getting a VMC. We went with something more affordable, more a little more entry level at the time. Still a really good machine. We got an Axis, AXYZ, uh, gantry style router. 
uh, and it's been really a good. A little bit more affordable. I, like I remember having uh, some pucker factor when you told me the price on that originally. How oh, much, yeah. I can't remember how much that was though. I think it was about sixty Canadian, so definitely not a cheap machine. Sixty dollars. Um, <laughs> yeah, still paying it off. Yeah, yeah, a dollar a month or. Yeah, exactly. No, it's it sixty grand Canadian, um, and uh, that was huge. That was a big deal for us at the time, especially because we'd never, touch, I've never, never touched a CNC before. Well, it's just um, funny because you said you know we've always wanted a VMC, but we had to go with something more affordable. And like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, sixty k to me feels like almost VMC territory. Well, you know, it, uh, they don't make VMCs in Canada, so they're always priced in US dollars. <laughs> Or other some other currency, right? Um, but uh, so yeah, you could get a you could get a VMC probably for sixty grand US, or you could buy used. Uh, you know, oh yeah, I know that. that I know that story. <laughs> um, but no, brand new. We had this Axis uh, five by four table uh, uh, gantry style router, CNC router. Right. Um, brand new. It's been really good. You know, we've had some crazy weird issues with it like you probably would have any machine um but uh yeah well i wanted a vmc because i thought they were cooler <laughs> and they are. they are they are cool they're, they're kind of terrifying yes they're big and heavy and did uh, you guys have to like talk to your landlord to find out whether your concrete floor was thick enough to support that machine no i just drilled a hole in it oh just to like see how deep it was yeah i got six nice. inches and i stopped <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's sitting on some cracks so that's a little scary perfect that's yeah. perfect um well and, you'll, you'll um, find out pretty soon whether there's a sinkhole under the building yeah i know right yeah. well so we um i've got a i've got uh i just have a level sitting on top of the machine i just keep, i just check <laughs> it every day it sounds if sketchy start, if you start hearing like a little creaking yeah so well way. We took. We were taking delivery of it, and we cleared out the whole space. We had a. We had our table saw sitting on top of where the CNC is now. So I. I was always like, well, I see the cracks, but what's the big deal? But I bought these skates, like these machinery moving dolly skates, oh, to wow. move some other equipment around. And I'd heard that if you roll a skate around on the floor, you can kind of hear if there's a noise difference. Like okay. you can hear if uh, maybe there's a hollow. And I started rolling it around after moving um, the table saw made space for the CNC. I kind of heard something and I was like panicking, freaking out. And luckily a friend, a good, a good friend of ours was here and she was like, I know a concrete engineer. Let me call him. So she called him and she got him on the line. This like concrete engineer. I told him, I asked him a wow. bunch of, or I, I was just telling him about the situation. He asked me a bunch of crazy questions, did like some calculus or some bullshit or whatever. <laughs> and it was like, go if, is there if there's a steel like a metal shop um, right. supplier metal supplier near you go get two one inch thick six inch by six inch wide or square sheet um, like steel plates and put those under the feet and you should be all right. Wow, and that was it. That was it. I mean, he was like, I don't know for sure. Like you've got cracks in your floor. Um, <laughs> so I did. I the guys were moving right. the CNC at the time. They like were taking it off the truck. I had parked my right. car on the street, so I was still able to get in because we're on car law, like you. And this is, you know, I, I call it, I, I would call it downtown Toronto. It's East End Toronto, but it's a car yeah. law is a busy street. And yeah. these guys just had a, you know, a full size tractor trailer, you know, um, open top tractor trailer, and they're just blocking traffic. 
Uh, oh, they're just like loading it off the street with the forklift. Yep. Wow. Um, and so, but anyways, so I zipped out uh, and grabbed these two pieces, these four pieces of steel, and uh, and I actually went bigger than what he had suggested because that's all that's what they had, uh, and just got back as they were putting the machine down. I just we just slipped them under the feet. It hasn't moved yet. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah. If you hear the creaking, just get out of the way, you know? Yeah, I <laughs> know. It's like, because the cracks are right at the front left, right where, like, the operator stands. So right. If it falls over, it's going to fall right on me. Right on. Man, moving machinery is always a bit terrifying. Like, um, in the building that I'm in now, uh, you know, so they didn't send, the riggers didn't send someone out to, you know, survey the, the land before, because I just kind of send them some photos and they're like oh that's fine and then when they get there the guy starts telling me a different story he's like well we can't park on the street because you can't we're not legally allowed to drive a forklift across the sidewalk and i was like okay um interesting well that's yeah that's an issue so where do you want to go and he's like well let's go in the loading dock and i was like okay but the problem is between the loading dock and my unit there's this pit in the (laughs) like that crosses the corridor and this pit it's like an electrical pit or something has been covered up by like a quarter inch thick steel plate that is like eight feet wide. Oh, good. But it's anchored at the, at the corners. Like it has these bolts uh, that have been like drilled down into the concrete and then welded to this plate. So, oh, so this when is you a drive permanent over installation. It, yeah, this is a permanent installation. When you drive over it, the plate ends up being in tension, right? Because it's, it's, it's you know, the weight's in the middle and it's pulling on the anchors, trying to pull them yeah. into the middle. And um, the building was like, oh, yeah, it'll be fine. We had like a 25,000-pound forklift on that thing. No problems at all. And I was like, okay. So I tell the riggers that. And they're like, eh. And so they put my machine on the forklift. The forklift weighs like 15,000 pounds, 16,000 pounds. And they start driving onto the the plate. And all the other riggers, except for the forklift driver, just kind of take a step back and like... And the, the forklift driver is just kind of raising his eyes, driving real slowly onto this plate. And then as soon as the weight got on there and he didn't fall in, he was like, ah, he just gunned it. Was, nice. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Steel is very strong, as you know. Yeah, but you it's know, pretty what, wild. what the hell is it attached to? No, yeah, you're right. Like the concrete's just going to give way. Yeah. Wow, yeah. But sounds... I guess those guys deal with that kind of shit all the time. Yeah, I mean, like, I think our move was ended up being super easy for them. But, you know, like, they're, these guys are delivering 15,000-pound machines in the middle of winter on, like, 60-degree slopes and, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit terrifying. I don't know how. Yeah. I would definitely lose a finger being a rigger <laughs> or a foot or something. They're, they're so chill about it, too. I think, honestly, you just get exposed to that level of, like, craziness every day and you, you – get to learn what stuff's going to work and what stuff doesn't, I guess. Yeah. I mean, in, in, um, like the, the, yours is probably a small machine for, for them. Ours was a small machine for them. Yeah. Yours yeah. Is mine's what, 40, only five and a half 20? thousand. Five and a half thousand pounds. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's about ours. I think ours is like six or seven. No, the VF, what you said, VF two, right? The, well, the YT. Oh yeah. Maybe I thought it was like yeah. 10. No, no. Oh, wow. The um, but the 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 VF three, which would be forty by twenty, like yours, is like thirteen thousand. So I don't know. Right. No, my machine yeah. isn't that big. Unfortunately, mine oh, my it's machine's not? only twenty by sixteen. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. I thought you had like yeah, the classic. So like, isn't that the classic Fidal? Is like the forty by twenty or thirty? Yes. Yeah, forty by twenty. Yeah. Forty twenty. Yeah. Forty twenty. Yeah. So Nick's Nick's 
thinking that I, I have a different machine than I do because he doesn't pay attention to my life. <laughs> You're always um, zoomed in on your photos and your videos. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, no, like I, I'm pretty sure I sent you guys some links to Fidel 4020s because they would have oh, been a great machine for you. Yeah. yeah. Um, I would love one. It's just like my current shop only has double doors. Like I had to put both of my VMCs into the shop through like standard double doors. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, that's so, a nice mach size machine for you, though. What do you need a 40 inch? I would well, love uh, a 40 axis. I would Why? love um, because then I could fixture like multiple parts. So like, you know, two of this knife, two of that knife, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then leave them running unattended. True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And unfortunately, um, so I mean, you know where I where my shop is right now. Um, I actually have a neighbor that lives in his unit. Oh, good. The guy like right next to me. So literally six feet away from my VMC is the head of this guy's bed. <laughs> um so out of courtesy to him, I'm actually not running cycles overnight at the moment. Really? What the hell is he doing living in there? That's the main He's been floor living of... in this building for like 20 something years, 25 years. That's such a funny building. Wait, I thought you, you're not, I mean, you're not at um, the same place where we visited you many times. No, no, no. Um, so no, you're I'm... in that building up the street. Yeah. I thought that building was less sketchy. It is less sketchy. So what's this guy this doing guy, living in? I don't know, man. Don't Does know. he even have windows? Nope. No way. And the front of his shop is like a welding shop, right? So he like... Oh, you know, he's welds. the welder. Yeah, gotcha. yeah. Okay, well, fine. So he like welds, he fills his shop full of like spray paint and shit, and then he sleeps in there. Okay. Well, that makes a little more sense. I was picturing some person like waking up in the morning, brushing their teeth, combing their hair, putting their suit and tie on, getting on the streetcar, going right. to work. Right, right. <laughs> no, no. He he works and lives there. Okay. But yeah, I mean, that, that really does kind of suck for me, right? Because running unattended, um, I mean, you guys are going to find this out soon with the new machine, but running unattended is like money, money, money. You know? oh, it definitely would be the best thing you could do. Um, yeah. But, uh, I mean, for us, I, I would love to run some things unattended, like like fretboards or something we can we can fill the table out with. Uh, bodies doesn't make sense. We're going to run maybe two bodies at a time. Um, the cycle time is just too short. But, uh, I mean, you could just leave it and then let it. Yeah, and it's totally worth doing that. You know, if the cycle time is like an hour, just like set it up, hit go before you leave for the night and then come back to the morning. Like that's an extra hour worth of machine time you get, right? Yeah. Yeah. So are you super excited about the new machine? Like when's it, is it, you said it's not up and running yet? What's, what's the deal? <laughs> um, so it's, so they come drop it off and then I had the electricians come hook it up to power, which, you know, booking electricians is, <laughs> they were busy and they never, they didn't come when I asked them to and, yeah. Anyways, they came, hooked it up to electrical. Now I need to run the airlines because um, we also mm. have a new air compressor. Ooh, what did you get? We got a Quincy uh, seven and a half horsepower screw compressor. Oh, nice. So, you know, I, it's not a, um, what's the other brand? What's yours? Ka uh, Kaiser. Kaiser. It's just the nicer it's, one. This is a Germans. Yeah. Yeah, I went with um, made in Alabama, proudly made in Alabama. Although it, they're owned by Oscoco, and I looked like I'm looking at a bunch of the components, and they're a lot of them are made in Italy. 
So I don't know. Who knows? Um, and it's got a, I think it's got a, it's got a bigger tank than the Kaiser was going to mm. have. Anyways, right. um, we, uh, yeah, so we got the, that machine hooked up. Now I just need to run the airlines, which I'm planning to do tonight. Ooh, um, nice. And I've, I've kept this, the, we have a piston compressor, just like, you know, we bought them in, together. I still yeah, have Nick my. And I, right. Nick and, Nick and Tim and I all went to the same place and bought these big red piston compressors. We bought matching p- compressors. It was adorable. Yeah, it was cute. <laughs> Did, do you, does yours, like, does the oil go black in yours pretty quick? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Okay. So, uh, which I found very distressing. And then we had it surfaced recently mm. um, because it was leaking oil. Oh, okay. And it was leaking oil out of uh, where you, you know, where you put the oil in. Yeah. That's a ca- cast plate, a cast iron plate, and it was. It has a. There's a gasket around it, the yeah. the plate where it attaches to the whole piston head, uh, and you unscrew that cap, and then you pour your oil in. Um, you do? I've never was... done that. <laughs> no, I'm fucking with you. Um. But it was it leaking was, there. It was leaking around that um, that uh, gasket, right? And so I just I you know we were busy. I just call, I called in I called Canbuilt and I was like, "Do," and they were just they gave me the name of a compressor uh, repair people company service company, and so I called them. They came down and they replaced the gasket, and then the thing kept leaking, and. So I called them back and they came back. And what had happened is now, I don't know if it was me that did this or if it was him. He, when he, the bolt, when the, the cap was being put back on, it got tightened really tight and it oh, cracked the, cast iron. the whole cast iron bit. So then that whole thing had to be replaced. This is all right before I'm like, I know I'm buying a new compressor. So it was right. really frustrating to have to sink sinking like, hundreds of bucks into something that's just going to be your backup compressor. Exactly, it was really frustrating, yeah. but it did make me give me a, a bit of a sense of relief to just know that it's it's good again. Like it's yeah. he was like, oh, this thing because you know this is a dusty shop, and um, which I'm going to have to do something about for the screw compressor because they don't like dust. But um, I just had this feeling that I wasn't taking care of the machine. Or it wasn't. It was like in poor condition. Even though I've been changing the oil, I I do like take relatively good care of it. I just assumed the worst. And he was like, "Ah, oh, <laughs> right. this thing's like brand new. It's perfect." Right. <laughs> so, yeah, I I ended up selling my compressor to a guy for like six hundred bucks. Mm. Yeah, he got a good deal. I don't remember how much we paid for them. So they were a couple of grand, like two two and a half or something yeah yeah it's a good it's like got a baldor motor it's it's um the the, yeah, the low, low rpm and you and i have both run the shit out of those things oh like, yeah ours ours during the day like if, if we're going full tilt it's only off for five minutes at a time or less yeah 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 maybe well, when like, i was sandblasting with mine sometimes oh, it would yeah. run for like three hours straight Ooh, that's not great eh? for a piston no, compressor no yeah no. that's what's nice about these continuous duty um screw compressors mm-hmm. but also one thing we ran into thinking about buying that is you kind of have to buy you have to right size it you can't overbuy. well you know what they say that but like i overbought like my right. my my screws uh 10 horsepower screw compressor um and most days it runs 
maybe seven minutes per hour. Yeah. And that's okay, when so I'm there. That might be that might be better though than so like because they have that idle. Maybe it's oh, better I, yeah. that it's that it's off for a significant portion versus being on, then off, then on, then off. You kind of I think that you want it to run either continuous duty. Yeah. So my compressor has um, has this control on it, and I dug through the control manual because it was just idling way too much. Like it would idle like ten minutes after running for two oh, minutes. Yeah. You know, so it would just be running like the whole hour, you know, it'd be running a full hour <laughs> all the time. Mm-hmm. Right. But I'm only actually using it to compress air, like seven minutes an hour or something. So I found that there was like an idle timeout setting. Um, and basically now it runs for like five minutes and then it'll idle for like a minute and then it'll shut itself down. But apparently the idling is not really so much to do with so it's partly because of the screw. Like you don't want to start the screw too many times because it might be low on oil. So you might get like kind of contact if you're starting it too much. But then the other reason you don't want to start them all the time is because of the motor itself. Like yeah. the motors only have like a number of starts that they're rated for each hour. Mm-hmm. So by keeping it idling, you avoid that motor issue. But the control actually has this built-in thing where it, it knows that if it's starting too often, it'll just go back to the other control scheme where it keeps it idling. Oh, cool. Yeah. So like when I'm sandblasting with it, it, it realizes that it's having to start too much and it just goes back to idling all the time rather than um, turning completely off. But like for in my shop, you know, like, as I said, like when I'm running the VMCs, it's just like, running air for the the tool changes and stuff so it's only running like you know five minutes an hour or something for it to just be idling the rest of the time it's just gonna waste so much electricity and then i have to deal with the the noise of it all the time and shit yeah yeah i think ours has a five minute idle um but we we bought like the the piston compressor 17 cfm and this one is like 2021 cfm so but it can run continuous so we didn't we didn't go too much higher, and then the the Haas, I believe. I mean, we haven't worked, used it yet. Um, <laughs> is uh, it has a solenoid, and it's only going to draw air when it needs to. Right? right, and when you say draw air, that's for the spindle air curtain, right? Well, yeah, I guess it'll have that on all the time. The air purge. Um, I think it should only spindle run that when the spindle's running. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. Um, and then for tool changing. So whereas our our axes machine, it you you know you turn I just turn the ball valve and that's it's just on. Like for the spindle air purge, just runs all the time. It's well, I I don't even know if it's for a spindle air purge. Um, but it's like hissing air around the bottom of the spindle, right? Um. Well, or I guess it's just it leaking. Is. That's just it's a special leak. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. I mean, it's for the tool changing, definitely. Right. Um. And it could be, yeah, so it could like, be for the spindle. For people well. that aren't familiar, the spindle air purge, basically you're you're pushing compressed air into the nose of the spindle, um, kind of where the bearings are, so that there's actually a non-contact seal in the nose of the spindle. And in some cases, you can get coolant or dust going back up inside the spindle. So having air just a little bit coming out constantly stops that from happening, um, yeah. which I guess Except- is super important for you in the VMC. 
Well, it will be for sure. But I mean, this thing, like, I think they, they don't, they don't leak that. Like if you put your hand on it, you'd feel it. But the axes is leaking. Like it's like 90 PSI (laughs) all the time. Right. Right. So it's just not that smart a machine. Maybe it only needs like five PSI for the air purge, the spindle purge. But, uh, it's just that's just like well, chuck, it, can you just chuck a regulator in line with the the air supply for that thing well i have i have a regular i'm regulating it down to 90 it needs 90 oh, regulate it down to 10 but then it won't then the tool changer won't work oh no no sorry i mean like split it so split the airline so that there's a separate one for this sp- spindle purge and then or regulate that down more i could get a n- whole new cnc throw this one in the garbage (laughs) okay okay so you've got the new Haas. you've got the new Haas. but that's amazing everyone wants one of those but let's talk about the old busted for a minute you've got you've got this cnc router that you clearly kind of hate because you want to throw it in the garbage well i hate it because i've used it for a long time i also love it okay what do you what do you love about it what do you hate about it what's what's the deal i like where it's gotten us um right you know, it's been good to us. Um, what I don't like about it, okay, like these are things that I wouldn't have complained that I, these were th- are things that were like on the, the bonus or check the positive side of uh, when I was, when we first got the machine. So uh, right. it's got a tool changer. Great. Okay. But it only holds seven tools. Yeah. So that's my new qualm with it. Before I was like, seven tools, sick. Right. <laughs> um, so it, it holds seven tools in the, in the carousel. We use 21-ish different tools. <laughs> oh, that's a recipe for pain right there. So I've got all these different tool sets. We have a tool set for doing bodies, a tool set for doing necks, tool set for doing – the neck needs actually eight tools, so I need to swap it when we're doing a different portion of the neck. Then there's a tool set for doing uh, like plastic components, uh, a tool set for doing uh, just miscellaneous, a couple different miscellaneous parts um simon who used to work with us used to know the tool sets off by heart he probably still does i always i just look at the chart i don't know i couldn't tell you i could tell you a couple of them but um anyways it's just a lot yeah yeah totally and to have to swap tools it's like it's a now now you know you've got to swap tools now i've got to touch them off again Mm. um and uh oh because it can only remember the six like seven. when you change them out, it's like, yeah, sorry, seven. It, it reassigns the numbers like one through seven. Yeah. So if I were to swap, like say in, in position uh, two, I've got a quarter inch diameter yeah, end right. mill that's got a stick out length of, you know, two inches. And then I put my eight, my half inch ball nose with a stick out of four inches, you know, like it's yeah, one nice thing if, with. Unless I touch it off again, it's going to think it's got a two-inch long bit in it. Yes, I understand that, Nick. God. <laughs> Do I um, spell everything no, after you? Yeah, I know. Fuck. Um, one nice thing about the Fidel control is, like, even though my machine only has 21 tools, I can actually store um, diameter and length offsets for 99 tools in right. the control. Yeah, that's um, nice. And then, yeah, anything above 21, it just knows that you have to automatically it automatically knows that you have to change them out by hand, which is really nice. Oh, that's good. Um, Yeah. And then the other thing you can do is actually, I mean, maybe you can do this with the access machine. I don't know. Like I can actually dump the tool table. So if I had like, you know, one 
uh, 21, one set of 21 tools for doing one thing and then a different set of 21 tools for doing a different thing, I can like dump the tool table, pull all the tools out, put the other tools in and then reload the other tool table rather than having to remeasure everything. Oh, okay. I mean, I'd feel pretty dumb if we were able to do that on this machine and I hadn't yet. <laughs> How many uh, years have you had it for? Uh, probably five. Yeah, yeah. You'll probably um, find out that you can. No, I don't know. <laughs> um, well, so there's there's that. At least I, you know, I still have to change tools. So the the, the Haas has thirty uh, in the the side mount tool changer. And, yeah, um, one one thing that I always talk to people about when they're getting into CNC is like, oh, you know, people will be like, oh, I don't really need a tool changer, and it's just like that's one of those things you only say before you've had a tool changer. <laughs> oh yeah, I would never go, but I would never go to not have a tool changer. It's like, and then you like, I remember when we were looking at machines because we looked at a whole range of them. There, you you went from having to you know use wrenches to change yeah. the tool out to then having like a button, yeah, <laughs> you know, and you could press the button and load the tool to then having and then an tool automated yeah. tool changer. And then there was, you know, like ours is a uh, rotary style tool changer, which is, is really nice um, right. versus it going to the back of a machine. A lot of the, the uh, uh, gantry style routers have the tooling just at the back of the machine. It goes, walks like it, it jogs over and, and, goes down and picks it up this yeah the wine rack style tool changes yeah this is a, a carousel which is is nice but the other qualm with the machine just like this stuff didn't matter before but now we're trying to you know speed up our cycle times and when the, i'm i'm all the way in to, to one side of the machine and the, the tool changer is all the way on the other and it's got to go change a tool it could take like 30 seconds to change a tool yeah but i guess the alternative is you have to stand there and change it faster than 30 seconds yeah well i just mean compared to like what the Haas is going to be able to do is like oh you're just gonna like lord it over this over us with this Haas. you got thing. a you have a One fast second. tool changer no i don't the the fidel tool changers are slow man are they yeah because it's um it's not like a servo driven turret it's a what's called a geneva wheel so it has to like rotate one tool at a time so it goes like chukunk chukunk Chukunk, you know, so if you're on the opposite side of the turret, it has to do 10 chukunks before it gets there. And, and it won't but, chukunk um, in advance, like if it knows it's going no. to. Nah. No, because it's um, so with your in the tool changer in the house, it all it does is swap the two tools and then it kind of keeps track of where it's putting them. Right. With the umbrella style, it's the same as with your CNC router where it always has to put the tool back in the same slot. Right. So it can't go to the other side first, unfortunately. Right. Um, but yeah, like I, I don't care. Like, yeah, it's pretty rare that I would like stand there and watch it change tools. <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> Most of the time, I'm doing something else, and that's like the the magic of the tool changer. Yeah, uh, tool changers yeah. are magic. They are, and probably the so coolest what... thing to watch when you I first know, get man. into it. The the dual arm style, so the ones where it's um it changes the tool in one motion, like on your house, are kind of terrifying because they're, they're whipping a, you know, six pound steel tool holder kind of at you yeah. <laughs> really fast. They You're like, quick. oh, that thing better not come out. Yeah. And you have to like tell it if it's going to, if it's picking up like a big tool, like if you have a right. three inch shell mill in there. 
don't want to forget. No. Um, but yeah, no, we're, we're excited about it. I bet. So you said there was a couple of things that bugged you with the uh, old machine. What's, what's, what are the other ones? Um, okay. So I'm just curious. Cause I think it's a learning experience for people that are like looking at a new machine to yeah. find out, you know, what, what things bug the shit out of people that have had a machine for a while. Right? In mine are all ba- based around the operator. Um, you know, like, cause I don't, I'm not, I'm not doing the programming. Um, right. but so I don't know if what, what, annoying things there are posting code to this machine um uh or considerations around that but um yeah operating it um there's there's those things and then um what else there's uh okay so the other one so not to interject but i you know from having previous conversations with you i know that you said that it doesn't repeat the home position very reliably oh yeah i mean so we were having a problem before it had, when we bought the machine, it had this feature called mm-hmm. auto squaring, which sounds great. So what would happen is when it's jogging, um, to home the machine, you've got right. the two, um, you've got a gantry, right? There's the two like posts. Yeah. Like the and left the, and right side of the gantry. Yeah. And this, the machine would, would jog up touch off touch the um uh the limit switches yeah and then it would take the left side of of the machine and touch the limit switch and then the right side of the machine and touch the limit switch okay while when and when the right side's touching the left side's static stationary so it's just kind of twists the gantry yeah 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 and it just kept getting worse and worse and would like twist even more and more and by the end it was like the, it would it would like take ten seconds for the right side to touch when at first it only took one side one second it was oh, like really? it was having so to go so like... much further it was just twisting itself out of oh, um, and then um, I we this is when we realized that was the issue it was like two or three years in we realized that was that was compounding that was becoming an issue we never even thought about it before we thought auto squaring great squaring itself. Um, and, but it's uh, actually like twisting itself to death. Oh, it's ruining itself. Yeah. Right. That's interesting. And I called them the service line. I'm not going to chirp axes, but they to even just get a service person on the phone, you've got to pay money. Yeah. You have you to know, buy it's not a that ticket. unusual. Right. Yeah. So I buy a ticket and I talk to a service person. He's like, oh, well, yeah, you have to turn auto squaring off. Duh. And I was like, what? what? He was like, yeah. Oh, we've we've been we haven't shipped a machine out in like a year with, with that turned on. I was like, why didn't, why didn't you email every single person that owns one of these and tell them this? Right. This is a huge problem for me. But the yeah. thing about these machines is, you know, they're, they're not made for what we do. We're pushing it to its limit to, you know, they're not made for precision. Um, they are reasonably precise and we've been able to get really good precision out of it. But uh, that's not really the I mean, that's not, I don't think that that's really the market is high precision. Um, yeah. I mean, one thing that really interested me when you said that was, you know, you were like, oh, you know, some days it'll be out of position when you home it by like five thousandths. And to me, that would be like, holy shit, like I need to like tear this machine down. But then I was thinking about it afterwards and I was like, I have no idea where five thousandths error would show up for you on a guitar. 
Like where, where did that manifest itself? Well, so, you know, we, we do our binding. So the, the body binding, um, we, I'll have to start from the beginning because the way we build the guitars is kind of funky uh, in, if you compare it to tra- traditional guitar building. Yeah. So traditionally for solid, like making a solid body electric guitar, you have your body shape, you take your block of wood, maybe you, you, you thickness it, right? You get a level, you surface one side and then you plane it to like one and three quarter inch. If we're talking about like a Telecaster, let's say, then you cut the body shape out. Right. Then if you wanted to bind it, you would route a uh, rabbit uh, in, into the body, a channel where you would install whatever binding, let's say like, you know, 60 thou wide uh, white ABS. And that's an open channel, right? It's kind of like um, like an in, inside uh, fillet or inside chamfer. So you're like pushing the ABS in there and then taping it down all the way around the exactly. body. Exactly. Right? You've, got, a, you've yeah. got your your body is cut out already. You just route a channel around the edge of it. And that is a, a relief for where you put the binding in. And then you flush the binding up by sanding it or scraping it uh, so that it's flush to the body. The way we do it is we have our body blank. We don't cut the shape of the body. Yet. We just put it right on the CNC as a body blank. Then we surface it on one side. It's already been jointed and surfaced on the other side, the bottom. We surface the top. Then we route the body arch because our guitars have an arch in the top and back. We arch right, the so you top. Do like a three D contouring toolpath for that. Yeah, three D yeah. contoured top arch, and then we take it off. We glue a top to that. So we would glue an eighth inch thick piece of maple. Let's say that's the most common piece of wood. To that, um, and that contours to the the arch. Then we put it back in the machine. We route in a uh, a slot, a channel for the binding in the shape of the body. Right. Then we, we inlay the plastic. Um, right. So this, the channel itself is actually forming like a fixture to hold the binding in place rather exactly. than to like tape it down. Right. Exactly. Then a lot of our guitars have binding on the back as well. So now what you've got to do is flip the guitar, do the exact same thing to the back. Right. Where we found the tolerance issue is in that flip operation or just in general, like say you've, you know, you've, you've installed all the binding, then you power the machine down, you do all your other stuff, you, you install your, you've got to make the neck, you install the neck into the body, then you go to cut the, the guitar out of uh, the guitar body shape out, which is another, that's another weird thing that we do. We install the body into that big block of wood that has what looks like a guitar somewhere inside of it. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then we and then cut, you cut away out. everything that isn't a guitar. Exactly. And yeah. you've, you know, if you've, if your machine has lost tolerance over those, that time where you've been building this guitar, cause you've got glue up time, like the glue's got a set, you've got a few different parts to, to make. And it could be three days before you're cutting that body out. And if the machine has, is like in a different place than it was when you installed the binding, you're going to cut into that binding. So maybe you know, if the machine's five thou out, your binding's going to be not the same thickness all the way around the shape of the body. Right. It'll be it's crazy, 90 thou. I was looking at a, you know, I had a, a pair of calipers and I was like, oh, you know, like looking at five thou and I was like, that's not a lot. Like, I'm not sure I would notice that. 
Well, um, and, you know, and a you prob- bit in the binding. Yeah, like, and and you might not, and nobody's pulling out, especially when you. But got you this- guys do. Yeah, we want it to be right. Yeah, yeah, and then you've got other things. You've got internal structure in the guitar. Yeah, that if if you're just out of place now, the you know like the center line. So like we're using a book matched piece of curly maple, for example, or koa. <clears throat> we've well, we should, we should right stop for a second because we have to make sure we explain things as we go <clears throat> i know what book matching is but mm-hmm. machinists and you know, 3d <laughs> printing guys may not have no idea what book matching is so what the hell is book matching uh book matching so you take a piece of wood and um you cut it right down the middle this is really simplifying it and then you open that up like you were to open a book the the grain should match the right side of the piece of wood and the left side of the piece of wood should match should be like sort of like image, right? a mirror image of each other now that works best when you're using like a quarter sawn piece of wood so quarter sawn wood is if you look at the end grain of it the the, the grain is completely 90 degrees to the surface um and um parallel to the center of it um so splitting that piece of wood when you open it up you don't have a big difference between the right side and the left side they're very they're very well matched uh, because the grain was so close to each other before right split it open i don't know but if that's a good description you could, but... no, I, no i think it's fine i mean yeah, people google, can google it. it if that's not <laughs> enough yeah exactly um but you're telling me that you could put like a book matched um like top on a guitar and then see the center line not lining up you could with like the fretboard or something potentially but i'm kind of curious like how much was it off like i thought it was only like five thousand ten thousand or something yeah oh man you see you guys you're like you're like me like i you know i look at a knife and i see like a tiniest little spot i'm like no i'm not i'm fuck that i'm not sending it out and then i show it to someone else and they're like what are you talking about what spot right exactly i mean yeah. this is the problem and well you you like us we sort of like figured the stuff out all are on our, on our own, right? The, the challenge doing that is you have zero knowledge of what the tolerance range, what re, what's a reasonable yeah, yeah. tolerance range. So you just right. go for the best thing possible. When we were doing, when we first started, one example is people would always be like, oh, your neck should be dead straight. So they would always keep saying shit like dead flat, dead straight. But what does that mean? What does that mean? What, how is that? It totally what means measurement. Yeah, yeah. What what tolerance is that? Dead straight. So we would be if like, you say that to a machinist. It's like, okay, like is that like two tenths over six feet? Like that's right. That's impossible. Like what does that mean? You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we were we bought machinist tooling. Like we would buy we bought like um, straight edges, um, like proper start stare at straight edges. Um, we have. Uh, um, uh, Jeez, this, I'm totally blanking on this. Feeler gauges. <laughs> um, right. So we to measure flatness or straightness, we'd be right. using a you know a machinist straight edge and feeler gauges, and be like, oh, this is a thou out. Better you know do some more work. <laughs> and then you look at another guitar maker, and they're like using some two by four they found in a pile. Right, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like a, a level from Home Depot. Right, right. Um, so that's just how we developed and we've been you know we're chasing these tolerances these really tight tolerances for woodworking really tight tolerances yeah um, no, totally like to within three thou three thou is kind of what we call our tolerance 
um, that range. Um, but yeah, so it's just annoying when you've put all this work into something and um, you've got your binding is out 10,000. Yeah, I know. And then you look at it and you can see it and you know rationally in your mind that no customer will ever see that. But mm-hmm. you look at it and you can see it and yeah, I get it. Yeah, maybe now I know that rationally, but I didn't. You know, I just assumed everyone saw these little glaring details. Uh, and well, some people do. It's... We have really discerning customers. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and it is hard to work out where the line is because if you go too far, then you're just doing work that none of your customers will ever see or appreciate and charging them for it. Right. That is a good point. Yeah. And but if you if you don't go far enough, then you get people being like, what the hell is this piece of crap? You know, so, yeah, I, I, I get it. Plus, there's the perfectionist nature of us. I know what you guys are like. Yeah, it's uh, it's, it's not always beneficial for sure. No, um, no there are times I it's think it's too far. Totally. And but I think, you know, I think what our customers see and people who, who desire our guitars see similar to the same people who buy or desire your knives is they can tell the, te- the attention to detail and the quality yes. just from looking at it, just from looking at a photo. Because <clears throat> if you're not willing to let those little things slip, they're sure as hell not going to let the big things slip. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Man. Oh, I get it. So, like, what are you looking forward to most with the Haas? So you've got you've gone from this CNC router that you kind of hate love to the new shininess that is this Haas. Like, um, well, By the okay, way, can so... I come and hug it? Like, oh. I just want to come and like, no, just God, like no. rub myself against it. Is that okay? No. Oh, fuck. All right. Um, you can, it's, you can see it from the window in the door. Oh yeah. It's okay. So um, hang on a second. We, I've never asked you this, but am I going to get to run this machine? Like, do I get to run some test parts on it? Yeah. You can come play with it for sure. Oh, sweet. Cause I talked to the Haas salesman. I was like, can you guys run some parts for me? Like, I, I just want to see what the service finish is like. And he was like, no. Oh really? Yeah, he he said like go go maybe Nick will let you run some parts. And I was like, what <laughs> you talked to him. For, like, you talked to him recently. Uh yeah, when you were buying your machine. Ah, that's jokes. Fabrizio, he's a great guy. Yeah, he seemed nice, but like I I was you know I, I really want to see like you know what is so if I take like a hardened block of steel and I machine and you know a knife shaped object into the top of it with the bevel and all that kind of stuff. You know, what is that? That's very easy because it just, you hold it in a vice and you can just machine it all in one shot. What does that look like on a Haas versus on my Fidals? You know, I'd really yeah. like to answer that question. Is it worth me spending, you know, a hundred grand on a, on a Haas to, is it a step up? You know? Yeah. I don't know. And when I asked Haas about doing that, they were just like, nah. That's crazy. I would have assumed they for sure would have let you run some parts. Yeah. I was super surprised. But... Um, have you looked into other like machine, like, are you interested in a new machine? Yes and no. Like I think in my current shop is probably not the right space. I've only got like 500 square feet at the moment, right? So I'd be I would be making compromises on the machine that I'm buying to fit it in the space, which I think is the wrong thing to do. Yeah, that's, that's um, a good point. I mean, well, could you fit like a robo drill in there? Yeah. Would that be good? Totally. Would that work for you? You know what, there's an Australian knife maker, uh, 5050 Knives, and he was using a couple of machines with BT30 spindles, like a RoboDrill. Yeah. Um, and he was very happy with them. He was, like, shredding hardened steel. If you go, like, HSK. Um, um, <laughs> right. 
<laughs> yeah, so like HSK is this other type of of spindle of like tool holder design that that's crazy, especially for high speed machining. Um, it's interesting though. Haas actually offer HSK spindles now. They do. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know, like you know, one of their their DT machines or their DM machines, um, or yeah, I, I don't know, man. I think ultimately you get... I'm just I'm just gonna wait until I move outside of the city. You know, have yeah. a, a big shop. Yeah. Um, back to Scarborough. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> Further um, out than that. But uh, yeah, no, th- I mean, okay, so I think just. So when they when they came to set up the axes, and we re- recently I I crashed it, um, and uh, well, so actually, I, I'll say I crashed it. I, I when I was moving the gantry, uh, and I had a chisel laying across the table in between one of my fixtures and the 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 post of the the gantry, and it just like ran into it and just like basically auto squared itself, out <laughs> <laughs> right. um, of square. And, uh, so they, I, I call them and I was like, we've, we've, we've been squaring the machine up. Like Mark comes by and like, we, we do, we square the machine up. Um, Mark is, um, Mark works with us just to just, just give a um, disclaimer on Mark. He's, he does all our programming and he's uh, a genius and he's, we work really close with them. Um, I tell people you're a genius too, Aaron. Don't worry. Um, and anyway, so we, we know how to square the machine up cause we've had to do it before, but I was like, yeah, cause you're always crashing it. <laughs> yeah. We've only crashed, actually crashed it maybe once. Badly. That's not bad. That's not bad. Everyone crashes. You know, it, I, that's one of the things that I like about like Haas or Fidel. Like if you crash it, you can get a new spindle for like four grand, you know, like, Oh good. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the machines that I've looked at, like the, um, like it's that my one of my like ultimate machines would be the Okuma Genos M five sixty V. But the the spindle cartridge in that thing is like twenty K. Oh my god. But it's probably stout as fuck. Yeah, but I think it's a ceramic bearing spindle though, because uh... I think so yeah, they're strong for what they are, but like if you crash one, you could like fuck your bearings up and then it's you're not meant to, you're like, not meant to crash it crash it yeah no no well, well I mean, so, not, ideally you wouldn't crash any machine but. yes um well so you could bump it maybe yeah yeah uh that's kind of what we did i mean we just had a our offset or um was was wrong and it just like drove a half inch single flute uh end mill straight through one of our fixture <laughs> fixtures oh that's um nice. yeah and i've also like it's got this stupid function where, okay, so the same button that changes the jog speed, if okay. you're in the middle of a program, if you press that button, it jog, it, it skips steps. It goes to the next step in the oh, program. Oh, that's an incredibly dangerous button. It's so Why bad. would they include that? It's the worst design choice. So I've done that before where I've like, I'm like, I paused the program and then I want to, ch- I want to jog the machine up. Cause sometimes when you pause it, it just, yeah. the, 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 it just pauses right in place. It doesn't jog the, the spindle up and I go to press speed. Cause I'm like in step mode, like one thou and I go to press speed and I fucking, it moves it to the next thing and just like jogs the machine with the, with the router bit plunged you know right. like oh my god so anyways when when i called axes to get their help 
squaring the machine up because I was like, this is their fault. Like we, you know, they're <laughs> like, they owe me rather. They owe me for this like uh, auto squaring Stupid disaster. Thing. Yeah. So right. I call them and he's like, okay, um, it took me forever to get somebody to, to call me back and I had to pay like a hundred bucks, whatever that aside. Um, they, the guy calls me and he's like, all right. Um, okay. I need you to grab like a, a pencil and a pad of paper and a measure or a tape measure. And I was like, okay. cool. What's the tape a measure tape for? Measure? Yeah. He's like, that's what we're going to use to square the machine up. Like you, and I was like, he's like, you, you move, you, you know how you like measure a TV across the screen? Yeah. Yeah. He wanted me to like mark Diagonally the center, corner to corner, diag- right? corner to corner. You wanted me to mark the yeah. center and then the other center and then like jog the machine over to it or something. I was like, that is, that can't be accurate. He was like, it's very accurate. I was like, it, it literally, can, it's impossible for that to be accurate. It's a tape measure. Like I could mark <laughs> on the how close to the center of the line and a tape do I go? Yeah, yeah, but but was it machinist's tape measure or was it just a <laughs> yeah. regular carpenter? No, it was just a regular carpenter, a Stanley uh-huh. Fat Max, whatever. I was just annoyed. I knew he was going to tell me this because I've seen the the document they send for squaring the right. machine up. And that's what they did when they set the machine up. Right. So the Haas, they do like the Renishaw ball bar test, whatever. Yeah, yep. The you know, it's got a probe. I opted for a probe. Um, they, you know, you could run um, a uh, dial indicator across the edge of the, the table, the T slot, yeah. and it probably would would wouldn't move it at all. Yeah. Whereas this thing, and you know, it's like made of aluminum, and uh, like the gantry is like a pool noodle. You said you weren't going to shred on this thing, man, but you're shredding on it pretty hard. <laughs> well, okay. So, you know what? They, I think that they're probably good machines for certain applications. Right. Making cabinets, signs, um, the stuff that they sort of market to people to use them for. And we've been able to use it really effectively. So I'm trashing it because now I can't um because right. we've we've more or less moved on but no I, I i still have an affinity for the machine and it, and it's paid uh, for itself most yeah. importantly and yeah, it's yeah. it's it has worked really well and i would recommend it to somebody if they were you know because it's all about budget yeah and that was we kind of spent as much as we could to get the best machine we could and i, I think we did get the best machine yeah. we could totally hey man i love my fiddle you know like the new one but like the i didn't when I put it back together, so I had to take it the enclosure apart to get it through the door in my unit, right? Oh, nice. Yeah. And when I put it back together again, I, I was like, oh, I'm not running coolant in this thing. I don't really need to like seal up all the joints in the enclosure. But I had no idea how much oil this thing drinks because it has like oh, an really? auto lubrication system. Yeah, it goes through the like, spindle or the like um, the, the all of the ball screws and bolsters. the linear weights. Wow. Yeah, and it goes through like a gallon of oil every month and a half. Oh, wow. Yeah, that seems like a lot. And then just pisses it all out onto the floor because I didn't <laughs> seal the enclosure. So I went around it a couple of weeks ago, you know, with, with like a caulking gun and some good quality caulking trying to like find all the leaks. And all I've done is move the leaks to less convenient places. Oh, okay. Like so now it just leaks you've... like at the right at the front corner rather than like kind of back under the machine where I could just put a paper towel under. and Right. <laughs> you plugged one hole to, yeah. to reveal another. 
Yeah, seriously. But, you know, as you said, like, despite these flaws, I still love the machine. Well, they, they do what you, you know, you want them to do, and you just have to fight them a little. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, it's charming. Get, get hammer on them every charming. once in a while. Show them who's boss. Yeah, it's, a, yeah. it's like any good relationship. Um, okay. <laughs> on, on that note, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but your machine's running well. I mean, it's it's amazing what you've done to get those machines up and running. Yeah, sometimes I wonder about my sanity. Honestly, <laughs> you love a you love a project. I do love a project, and too much so. Like my girlfriend laughs at me all the time because you know there'll be something that needs to be like done around the house. Like so. <laughs> We had, she's, she's crossing her arms at me right now. We had, um, she bought some storage units, like, uh, plastic totes that were supposed to go under our couch and they're just like an inch too tall to fit under the couch. Uh-huh. And she was like, oh, so can we like buy something or make something to raise the couch up? And I was like, oh yeah, no worries. I'll, I'll make something. And that was like two months ago. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and she finally was like, can you please make those things? And I was like, oh, fine. So I'm 3d printing them right now. It's like, it oh, was nice. like not even a second to like design the stupid prizes but yeah there's like everything in my life and at the shop feels like that it's like i could spend 60 grand to get this thing or i could like make it myself for like four yeah so now i have a list of you know like 50 things that i need to make this is the, the yeah always a struggle to to do the the buy versus build uh, yeah especially when you like you know you guys know that you can make a fixture or make a a jig or whatever you need to make, you know, you can make it. And, but there's already so much shit in your day, you know, like, Oh, I, I don't want to spend the five grand on this vacuum table or whatever right. it is, but like, yeah, I know it, it, you kind of, I mean, at this point we, we always kind of, we always put production at the top of the priority list. Right. So, but it's, it's a, uh, it's tricky because like sometimes you want to do a little project to speed up production. But you don't have time because production's slow. <laughs> right. Um, have you guys gotten into 3D printing at all yet? No, it's so cool. I that's definitely something I would love to uh, to learn. I think it's one of those things where, like, you wouldn't have any uses for it, um, you know, in terms of parts going on guitars for customers. I don't think. No. Yeah. But in like you know stuff around the shop. Yeah. Um. You know, like I've even been printing just like little, um, so I have, um, I forget which company they're made by, but they're, they're like these gray plastic and steel, um, like compartment drawer things. Mm-hmm. And they come with these little dividers that are totally garbage. Like you put the divider in, and then you fill it with bolts and the divider immediately falls out of the way <laughs> okay. and then the bolts all mix up. Right. So uh, yeah, I've just been printing the, like exactly the right size little containers to go in there as dividers. Oh, wicked. And then, you know, they're like. 20 cents each to print them out of PLA and you know, printing something doesn't, it doesn't take any active, you know, hands on time really. Right. And it's kind of low risk. Like if the machines aren't super expensive, you're not going to crash it. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Like my 3d printer was like 500 bucks. Yeah. I'm into it. I actually, that is something I really want to do. Mark has a fancy printer. He's that's got like, um, it's not, um, like a filament or it's, it's like a, or a, Oh, it's a resin. Print? Resin. Yeah. 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 And I he, just bought one of those. Oh, did you? Yeah. I forget what his is called. Um, they're so inexpensive, man. Mine was like, 
320 bucks off wow. Amazon. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. I'm, maybe send me the link to that or put it in the show notes. I always wanted to say yeah, that. Yeah, I can do that. <laughs> you, you get to say that now. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, honestly, man, like around the shop, the filament printers are so handy. Yeah, that's kind of what I probably would do because the, the resin goes bad, right? You got to use it up. But uh, uh, I don't know. I, well, I, I think had Mark's enough does. to find that. So Mark mm. was like, he goes on like a mad dash to print whatever he could. So the hell of it. He was printing us like this, the tool tags that go onto Cat 40 tool holders. And he made, so we had, um, we took an order for uh, a left-handed guitar that had this special bridge made by this company, um, a small company in the States. And I, we took this order and I went to go place the order. Like we took the order from the customer for the guitar and I went to go take, place the order for the bridge. And he was like, oh no, we don't make those lefty. I was like, oh, oh and you're like, God damn it. I already, so I, uh, so Mark he um well, I, I called him i was like mark help um and uh he he designed it in um uh he, he was using rhino uh he he took the he took an image of it and he actually took a part to him and he just designed it based on what he was looking at and uh made it lefty and then he 3d printed it and then he made oh, it wow. out of brass Oh, um, interesting. Okay, so you, that was just like a proof a of concept prototype. Yeah, it might part of it was for fun. He probably would have just made it out of brass, anyways. Um, that would have been the prototype, but uh, anyways, it worked great. Uh, and I have this cool three D printed uh, tailpiece part here, and I was like, I keep looking at it. I'm like, this is like, this is awesome. What can we do with this? Yeah, yeah. One of the really cool things you could potentially do with it is. Um, you can do uh, investment castings. Oh, you have a puppy. With... <laughs> and so Nick can see my video and my puppy just jumped on me. Um, you can do investment castings, man. Like, so you can print in uh, material that will actually like, burn out. Oh, right. So you, you dip it in like silica and then embed it in sand and then burn the, the plastic out and then fill it with copper or brass yeah, or yeah. whatever. Right? Well, I mean, a lot of the, a lot of guitar parts, like a Bigsby trim, or vibrato is cast cost. Right. Uh, and, um, yeah, old, like the bridges we use, which is like a, an ABR one, a Gibson style bridge is a zinc alloy that's mm. cast. Uh, so casting is really cool. That's a really cool idea. I hadn't thought about doing investment casting with that. The Frank brothers foundry coming up next. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I like, uh, I like, um, subtractive, uh, manufacturing <laughs> waste but, uh, down with waste <laughs> 3d printing would, would be cool uh, i've been trying to find more uses for it for like stuff to go out to customers um like box shipping boxes the the one that i've been like most focused on was i really wanted to make this like belt loop mount for my sheets that would um, hold the sheets sideways because i had a bunch of people request that for scout carry um exactly uh-huh. yeah, I do. see i do pay attention yeah, yeah sometimes um and yeah man like i could have a professional company 3d print them uh out of like nylon uh with a selective laser sintering and oh, they look cool. great but they're like 16 bucks each right which doesn't make sense you know like this is just like a little add-on thing you know doesn't like if i was charging expensive. the customer like it's not it's not but you charge 30 bucks for it doesn't seem like that expensive an add-on. I just don't think it's a thirty-dollar thing. Okay, you know, 
maybe it is. I don't know, man. Maybe I'm overthinking it. But like, I was, you know, I was trying to work out a way to print these myself. Um, and I've also been working on the design for a folding knife. So oh, wicked. I bought the resin printer so that I could uh, prototype parts for the folding knife that would actually like work. Yeah, yeah. Um, because the the tolerances are, are really tight. So mm. yeah, there's I, I keep finding uses for it. I think that that's it. Is uh, once you have it, you it's there when you need it. Yeah. Um, well, the, with the filament printer, the, the materials on the filament printer are a lot more structural in my experience mm-hmm. so far. Okay. Um, so I'm, I, right now I've, I've, the company I buy all my filaments from filaments.ca, which are <laughs> a great company. Um, they just introduced a new filament, which is carbon fiber reinforced polycarbonate. Wow. I mean, that sounds impressive. Yeah. And like this, this shit's like pretty um, it's less expensive than carbon fiber reinforced nylon. Um, similar material properties, but a bit stiffer and a higher heat resistance. So I'm actually printing like mechanical parts for this. I'm, I'm building um, a robotic sandblasting system and I'm actually printing mechanical parts for it um, out of this material. That's wicked. Yeah. So rather than having to like, you know, uh, do a setup on the CNC mill and like mill soft jaws to like, you know, and then it would be like, but the parts that I'm doing, some of them wouldn't even be possible on the mill. I'd have to like get a wire EDM to cut slots in them and stuff. Right. Um, and then it would be like three setups before sending it away for a wire EDM. Or I can print them in three hours on the printer and the total cost is like $4. Right. Like, it just blows my mind. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, super awesome. Well, I don't know. I feel like that's a show. Damn, I feel like we could keep going. We could, but I think yeah, no, an hour. I, know, I, I, it's it's perfect. I I feel like uh, I want to have you back though. I don't know whether you're willing, but I would love to have you back, buddy. Come in. All right. Well, if that's good news. I like that. So yeah, we can keep going next time then. All right. Sounds good, buddy. All right, man. Well, it was awesome to hear from you, and I'm looking forward to hearing more about what the the story is with the Haas. Go and get those airlines installed next tonight, man. So I am doing it next week. Well, it's, but they're installing airlines. I always am miss, I'm missing one like reducer or something, you know, oh, it's, it's always, always the case. Late. I think I got it, but anyways, thank you for letting me come on your show and, and of course, blather man. about what, what I'm up to. You guys work hard, man. I like, fuck. What time were you at work this morning, bud? Uh, eight forty-five. Oh, Jesus Christ. So for people listening, it's seven, almost 7.45 p.m. now. So that's like going on a, an 11-hour day for you already. Yeah, Tuesdays and Wednesdays, Tim and I work late. Right. So we can we can work until, I mean, that's just the, the way we sort of set it up with our, our family, uh, families. Um, so I try to take advantage of them. I'll, I'll work until like last week we worked until like 3 in the morning. You know, and it's like sometimes it's the only time you get to do stuff like airlines or random little yeah, things. Yeah. But when I mean, we love we love what we do, and it's like it's our shop. We like being here. So yeah, no, that's uh, okay. I love it too. I just I've done too many of those nights now. For and sure, I'm trying to not do them. That's good. I mean, that's the that's the goal. And um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, the problem here. is I've conditioned myself to be a workaholic. So even on my days off, I'm still like thinking about work. You know? I know. Well, I'm, I'm trying look to, at like... you. You're always in the shop on weekends and stuff. Yeah. I'm trying to do it less now. I'm actually, I'm going to, 
shortly I'm going to be implementing days that I'm not allowed to be in the shop or working on shop things. Yeah, I have that too. It's like uh, Christmas. <laughs> New Year's Eve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I meant every week. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, buddy. Okay. Well, it was awesome catching up with you. Likewise. And um, we'll uh, speak to you next week then, I guess, by the sound of it. I'm into it. So as you heard, this was actually a test episode with Nick and myself. Nick wanted to see whether he enjoyed the process of recording the podcast and whether he wanted to keep doing it, and he did. So Nick is going to be my new co-host, and we will be recording episodes weekly going forward, Uh, and we're both really looking forward to it. So we will be seeing you guys next week. Bye. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.